Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Truly the call and the response of those who are in need. I know the Lord will make a way. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. The text that we're about to read today is one of those stories in which the people of Israel found themselves oppressed, praying and crying out that the Lord would make a way for them, and we'll hear in Gideon's story how that did come to pass. But before we read our scripture this morning, I want to welcome some of our families who are gathered over in the community room of the East Building for family worship today as we continue to unfold and reopen, reemerge from the pandemic. We have resumed family worship on Sunday mornings during the 11 o'clock hour, and so they are joining us from the community room, and I am just so thankful that you all are with us today, and you all are here with us in the sanctuary, and those of you that are joining us online, to think that our family is gathered for worship is a statement of our faith, no matter what the weather may be, outside, no matter where we may be. So let us hear now the words of the Lord as recorded in the book of Judges. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Amorite, and whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, do not, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, said Gideon, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least of my family. The Lord said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied, If I have found favor in your eye, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Mighty and gracious God, as we gather in worship today, speak to our hearts, remind us that where your people struggle, that you will find a way. 
Speak to our hearts, O Lord, and help us open our eyes and our ears to realize that we just might be parts of that way. That we might be the solution so that we would go forth from this place not just as hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Not about you, but I'm a sucker for a good underdog story with the best of them. I mean, maybe it's a team of average college-age hockey players, not the all-stars, but just average college-age hockey players who take on the evil empire and they win the big game. Or maybe it's the football player who makes the starting lineup not because he's got brawn or skill, but just because he's got heart and grit. Or the story of a washed-up baseball pitcher who has rediscovered new energy, new strength, and finds himself one more day in the sun, standing on the mound in the majors, throwing heat like he's never thrown before. See, I like those kinds of stories, and I think what I've gotten down to is there's a psychology in these underdog stories that sort of feeds us and feeds our own souls. I mean, these are stories of hope. These are stories where somehow or other we rise above our average mediocre selves and we make a real difference in the world around us. We win the big game, we grab the gold medal, we seize the brass ring, we triumph where we thought we would never, ever belong. And I think that that's why we long for these stories. I think that's why we cheer for the underdog, is we like to see the one that should not be in the big dance go all the way. Because secretly in our hearts, we know our own shortcomings. And yet we yearn to make a difference. The text that I just read today from the book of Judges is an underdog story in its own right. Now to kind of put this in a little bit of a context, the book of Judges is written about the period of Israel's history where it's almost rinse and repeat on a generational basis. See, the story talks about where Israel, the country, the, the, the people, they do some sort of evil. Maybe they're worshiping other gods than our God in heaven, and God punishes them, allowing them to be overtaken by the armies around their territory because of their unfaithfulness. And so God punishes them. And then finally, in the midst of their punishment, Israel cries out, won't you save us, Lord? Won't you deliver us from this? And the Lord makes a way. The Lord lifts up a judge and sends a judge to them, and the judge rules with impunity. The judge is both judge and jury, religious authority, God's agent here on earth. But then what happens is the judge eventually dies because the judge is a mere mortal. And when that happens, the people begin to forget what they learned. And they fall back into old habits, and so they turn away from God. God punishes them. They cry out, and it repeats again and again. But we find ourselves in this story, we find, our, we find Israel in the land of the Midianites. They've been captured, and they're crying out again. They are being so oppressed. They're guilty of not remembering how God delivered them from Egypt. They're guilty of worshiping other gods before the one true God. They're guilty of not listening to God. 
not learning from the past. But instead of sending the judge that they imagined God lifted will judge up from the most unlikely of places. This is the story of Gideon. So as our text unfolds today, the angel of the Lord finds Gideon secretly threshing wheat in the most unlikely of places, threshing wheat in a wine press so that the Midianites are not aware of what he is doing. And the angel says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now Gideon, in a moment of just abject frustration, says, the Lord is with us. If the Lord is with us, how can we find ourselves this? If the Lord is with us, why am I hiding while I am threshing wheat? Why would all of this bad stuff happen? If you notice, the angel doesn't answer the question. Instead, the angel says, go in strength and save Israel. He gets straight to the point, cuts out all the clutter and says, go in strength and save Israel. But Gideon, what does he do? He protests. Gideon almost says, if you wanted to use modern languages, he would say, say what? Have you looked at me? The tribe, my family, we're the weakest family in all of Israel. And I am the runt of the litter. Go in strength, mighty warrior, do what? But then what the Lord says to him, he says, I will be with you and you will be victorious. You will triumph. So see, my friends, Gideon's story is a lesson for you and for me as we look at the world around us. See, God sees in us more than we see in ourselves. God really uses us, those of us that rely upon the Lord. That's where our success comes from, not from our own skills, but from our reliance upon God. God sees more in us than we see in ourselves. And our success comes when we rely upon God. And God confirms God's priorities with God's presence. God is with us every step of the way. So I think back to Gideon's protest when he says, you know, I'm the runt of the litter. Now what I love about this is it's once again where God uses the most unlikely of characters to make a way where God uses the most unlikely of characters to solve a problem, to deliver the people. I mean, back with me, first we've got Moses. We go back to the beginning. We've got Moses who stutters. And yet, what does he say to Moses? He says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and speak for me. Later, there's David, the young boy with a slingshot to take on the mighty Goliath of the Philistine army. And now we have Gideon. As we continue to read this story, we see more and more lessons like these. As we turn the page into the New Testament, we see Mary and Joseph, sort of the most unlikely couple, uh, an unwed teenage couple. They're engaged. He's a carpenter. She is a teenage girl. And the Lord finds favor with her and tells Joseph to not divorce her, but to stand by her. Zacchaeus is way up in the tree, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I see you. I'm going to eat in your house tonight. The woman at the well begins to realize that she counts in the kingdom. 
Later when we read into the stories of the early church, Timothy, who is a young adult, almost really just a late blooming teenager, he begins to be a leader in the early church. See, Jesus uses these unlikely characters, God uses them to accomplish the purposes of the kingdom. But I wonder about us, how often do we sit here and say, instead of praying, Lord, here I am, use me, do we look at our skills, our abilities, and we say, there's no way I can offer anything to make your kingdom possible. We shy away from service because we feel unworthy or unskilled or unsure of our fitness. How often are we like getting where we say, you surely can't be looking at me. I mean, I don't know the Bible. I can't figure out which book goes in which part of the Bible. I don't even know how to use it. I don't pray well in public. But what we fail to realize that when we throw those protests up is God just scoffs and laughs at us because what we realize is that when God is calling us, we are the people God needs right at that moment. And that's why God is coming to us to make a way. I think about those people that we look up to in faith, those lions of the faith, and how they too felt unworthy, unskilled, unsure. I mean, first there's Teresa of Calcutta. All she wanted to do was to be a nun and to draw close to God, to pray to God, to build her relationship with God. She never intended to care for the sick or the poor, and that become her life's work. But yet somehow she found herself convinced that caring for the sick and the dying in the slums of Calcutta was what the Lord was calling her to do. Or Clarence Jordan, who found himself building a community of African-Americans and Caucasian-Americans living in the red clay hills of Georgia, this community in the 70s in which everyone saw each other as brothers and sisters. Or Miller Fuller, the businessman who knew nothing about home building but yet started Habitat for Humanity. I wonder what their conversations with God were like, surely you can't use me. Surely I don't know anything. I don't even know the business end of a hammer, and you want me to start something like Habitat? You want me to build an interracial community in rural Georgia? Are you looking around at what's going on? Lord, I want to be a nun, a sister, a bride of Christ. That's what I want to do. Oh, wait, you want me to care for the untouchables, and actually lift them up to where they matter. See, my friends, the lesson with their stories, the lesson with Gideon, the lesson of the Bible is that God sees more in you and me than we see in ourselves. What it tells us is that we are the people God is looking for to address the ills and the concerns in the world around us just right where we live. And what we begin to learn as we unfold this story is that our success comes from when we rely upon God. I mean, that's a secret of Gideon's success right there. Gideon was so very self-aware. He knew his shortcomings. He knew that the only way this was going to work was if he could lean on God's strength. The only way that he could be successful was if God was his anchor point to reach out and to lean on God and not on his own abilities. I mean, the first thing you've got to learn in life is if you lose, say, let's say, I don't know, if you, you lost the use of your dominant hand, just say that for a minute. It's all thumbs up, right? But you use, lose the loss of your dominant hand, you begin to have to lean 
on others. You begin to have to ask for help, and what we begin to learn with that is that there are folks willing to help us right in our midst. We realize our own shortcomings. God is there to help us. So if God is calling us to serve the community, to serve the kingdom, God is going to be right there to strengthen us if we're willing to listen. If we're willing to rely upon God, to use God's strength to navigate the waters of change, to use God's strength for guidance, to use God's strength so that we would utter, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. When we trust not in our own abilities, but in the manifold presence of God in our lives, there is nothing we can't accomplish. And finally, what I love at the end of this text, when Gideon begins to click that he's not going to get out of this, what I love is that the angel of the Lord says to him, I will be with you. I mean, how many times have we heard this in Scripture, I will be with you? I mean, that's a statement that has power. The most unlikely of characters to run of the litter, Gideon, all of a sudden realizes that he's got more behind him than the world can face and can survive. Because God is right there with him every step of the way. It harkens back to the conversation that God had with Moses. Remember what he said to him? He said, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh. I will be with you every step of the way. I will not leave you. And so when he delivered the people from Israel as they crossed the Red Sea, remember what it says? It says that God led them by a column of fire and a pillar of smoke by day and by night. God was always with them. We hear those words echoed again and again in the biblical story that we are not alone. I mean, in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So no matter what may befall us, we have God standing right beside us. Jesus told the disciples, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the earth. I will send the Holy Spirit to guide you. See, my brothers and sisters, we are not alone. We realize that God is calling us and God is using us in ways that we cannot imagine. We rest assured that we are not alone. As a matter of fact, that God is guiding us every step of the way. That if we will yield our will, yield our fears, yield our concerns, God's words will flow through us. God's love will be evident by the way we act and the way that we live. God's presence helps us fulfill that calling. And God finds a way through us. I think that's what I like about the underdog story. Because in the underdog story, it helps us all feel like that we have a fighting chance to take on the world ourselves, that even with our shortcomings, even with our deficiencies, those things that we can count, our insecurities, that we can triumph because God is with us that we can make a difference. I look at the world around us and I think that, that we are probably the most unlikely of characters to address the issues that face our community, but we are the people that God is calling to do that. Whether it's issues such as poverty or hunger or violence or the educational challenges or the pain of addiction or hatred or any of the isms of this world, these are not of the kingdom of God. The children of God have lost their way they have forgotten the Lord's teachings, and so we find ourselves as children of God in the most unlikely of places where God is calling to us and saying, I send you. 
We are called to make a difference. We are called to be part of the deliverance of God's people from pain and suffering to rebuild the kingdom. God is calling you and me the unlikeliest of characters because God sees more in us than we see in ourselves. But in calling us to make a change, God is also calling us to lean on God and God's direction, to put our whole trust and our whole faith in God, just as our baptismal liturgy says that we will. God's calling us to lean on the strength of God and the strength of God's presence in our lives. That presence that we find by being together in community. That presence that we find by being faithful to the task in front of us. That presence that we find when we fall to our knees and we say, Lord, here I am, send me. Because when we do that, we discover what Gideon discovered, that we can conquer the world for the sake of the kingdom. Because God is with us every step of the way. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.